Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Hello, it is Monday. It is July 22nd, 2019. I am, of course, Tristan H. Cockroft, as mentioned there, but Eric Carabell, he is off today. Uh, I will be joined in this place by AJ Mass, my good buddy, my colleague, my friend, and the, the fantastic guy who helped me so much with the forecaster over the weekend while I took a couple of days away. It's a great time for baseball. I love this time of year. We are fresh off the Hall of Fame inductions this weekend, and congratulations, of course, to our six newest Hall of Famers, Harold Baines, the late Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, Mariano Rivera, and of course, Lee Smith. And of course, congratulations as well to, can we say friend of the podcast, Jason Stark? He's a, a good, uh, one of the best writers out there in the business. Uh, so congratulations to him as well. Great time. You know, we could talk a lot if we wanted to about the merits of those individual players. I'm not going to get into that. You know what? It's a great time. Very big positives. Congratulations to them all for getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, we are coming up on the trade deadline. Uh, so, AJ, I'm going to loop you in here first. Hello. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Tristan. It, I, I didn't do anything as exciting as, uh, you know, getting enshrined anywhere, but uh, it, was, it was still a fun weekend, nevertheless. Uh, indeed. <laughs> I, I'm glad to hear that you didn't melt this weekend. I mean, we got a little cooler temperatures today. I'm glad to hear you. All's good after the ridiculously hot temperatures lately. So that's that's a positive. Yeah, I just say stayed inside, watched a little baseball on the TV, uh, streamed the new season of Veronica Mars. So I'm all caught up on my uh, pop culture slash uh, baseball hit. Another show they brought back, huh? They keep doing that. <laughs> How about that? Well, I'm very excited as well. New week, new day. Everything's positive. Gotta love baseball. And, you know, since I mentioned the Hall of Fame announcements we just had, we also have the trade deadline coming up. It's a very big time for the baseball world and, of course, fantasy baseball. So I'd love to invite in our guest for the day, our ESPN MLB insider, Jeff Passan, joins us today. Jeff, welcome. Gentlemen, great to be here with you as an avid fantasy baseball player. Uh, it's, it's going to be a fun conversation. I am looking forward to it quite and uh, quite a bit. And you know, since baseball is the national pastime, Jeff, got to start with this. I, I I've heard rumors that you have a, another favorite pastime. Apparently, do I? I, I <laughs> just a filthy rumor I heard somewhere. I don't know where I heard it. Might have been five minutes before in like the pre-show discussion, but <laughs> I I don't know if I would call it a pastime necessarily because I don't think I do it often enough for it to be a pastime. But I I do enjoy a little karaoke. I, oh, I do. I, I got a challenger here for the singing, the singing throne of the show. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Are you going to partake as well? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. See, this is the problem. I don't know if I know the lyrics of your songs. What, what song are you picking? Uh, I, you know, I was saying earlier, I do Bohemian Rhapsody, and I enjoy doing Bohemian Rhapsody, but I feel like that's a very selfish karaoke ask because it's a really long song. So uh, I... You know, I'm not a huge Broadway guy, but I love Hamilton, and I love the song "You'll Be Back" from Hamilton. A good choice. Good and choice. and it it tests your uh, your range and uh, your ability to to roll your R's. And 
uh, it's funny as hell. So I that that is one that I that was the first one last time I went to karaoke that I picked. All things I am terrible at. So yeah, perfect, perfect for the show. <laughs> We're gonna ask you to prove it right now. Are you ready for this? Oh, no. Are we going right now? Right now. No. Forget baseball. Right now, off, off the, the top. top, off the top rope. You mean Jeff Passan? Oh my lord! Kyle's putting you on the spot. Here we Kyle's go. Up. Of course, our research extraordinaire. Go ahead, press the button. Now you got to tell me if I'm better than Tristan. All right, here we go. You're already better than me. You say. The price of my love's not a price that you're willing to pay. Oops, I actually think I went a little earlier. Anyway, you cry in your tea which you hurl in the sea when you see me go by. Why so sad? Remember we made an arrangement when you went away. Now you're making me mad. Remember despite our estrangement, I'm your man. You'll be back soon, you'll see. You'll remember you belong to me. You'll be back, time will tell. You'll remember that I served you well. This is the hard part. Oceans rise, empires fall. We have seen each other through it all. And when push comes to shove, I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. Da 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 We'll see whether the listeners are back after that. A restraining order from Jonathan Groff and Linda. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It was not that good. The that beginning, was, oh the beginning was rough. That's going to be my ringtone. Like, it's going to be everything I live for right now. That was amazing. Uh, somebody's going to do a drop with that one. I, I hope that's the entire drop. We don't oh. need any other music. In that case, of course, we got to finish with a darkness. Sure, there it is. All Podcast right. done. Okay. <laughs> I guess we should get to the baseball stuff of the show. See if people will be back after we get the buzz drop. <laughs> Oh, Jeff, that was fantastic. Am I blushing, Kyle? Oh, boy. You're about as red as my shirt right now, and I know people can't see that, but he is red, but he was singing eyes closed, eyebrows moving. It was phenomenal. Oh, I wish there was. No, I don't wish there was video, actually. I'm really glad that Imprinted in my head like that's never going away, Jeff. (laughs) I think I knew 2% of those words. Oh, well, I do know about 2% of the Padres lineup, so let's get to the first uh, note here. Luis Arias, the very exciting Padres prospect. We've seen him before in the major leagues, but after he was down in the minors in AAA, tearing things up, he got a recall from the Padres again on Saturday, installed back there into the lineup on Saturday for the Padres at second base at start of the past two games. But this also kind of tied to a couple of other prospect call-ups by the Padres. They called up Adrian Morahan, and they called up Michael Baez, who ranked depending on where your source was, among their top 10 prospects. Uh, and I found it interesting in the cases of Morahan and Baez that uh, these were players who were not on the 40-man roster. So calling them up did kind of get the clock starting, required some roster manipulations here. So I don't think this is just a one-day thing. Um, AJ, I'll start with you on this. Uh, Rias, do you think he's an ad in ESPN leagues yet? And what's your kind of prediction for him for the future? I think you have to add him if you're, especially middle infield. I, you know, Mondesi just went down, so you, you know, a lot of teams were looking for openings. I lost uh, Alberto in, in one of my 
uh, leagues. And I'm looking for middle infield help. So certainly uh, a guy who's hitting 300 in AAA coming up probably should have come up sooner. I mean, he was raking. I don't know what really took him so long, especially since he'd already been up. So, uh, yeah, I'm adding him. I, I think I think he'll do well. I think it will as well. I think he's middle infield material for the redraft leagues. I think in dynasty leagues, dynasty leagues, whatever you want to pronounce him as. Jeff, we always have the little debate as to which one. Uh, feel free to add him. I think he's a lot more appealing there and probably already spoken for. I find it interesting for the Padres, Jeff, in that, that, that this is a team that's kind of in a, 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 which direction are they going right now? Are they sellers? Are they buyers heading into the trade deadline? So kind of curious your take on where the Padres are at and what moves they might, might, do to address, I don't think their lineup so much, but their pitching staff, uh, is Arias and these prospects recall kind of a signal that they're turning towards the future? One, it's a dynasty league because we live in America. Two, <laughs> I have had uh, Luis Arias stashed on my bench for six weeks now, and this is in a league that has four, 35 roster spots, and so every roster spot is pretty valuable. And that's how much I think of his bat. He is a dynamic bat. He's got power. He uh, he hits for average. He will be a 300 hitter long term. He's unquestionably a guy you don't just want in the future, but you want now. Morahone and Baez are a little bit different. I think that these are auditions for big league clubs because those are two names that I have heard in Padres trade talks who they are trying to package in a deal for a big-time starting pitcher, whether it's Noah Syndergaard or Trevor Bauer or perhaps Matthew Boyd. And so uh, they they want to show, hey, these guys are not just on the cusp, but these are major league quality pitchers right now. So you'd lean a little more towards their trying to stock up with veteran players and make a run for it. It's tough to say. The National League is just such a beautiful disaster right now. Uh, I, you know, the fact that the Giants are not just in it, but ahead of the Padres and knocking on second place's door in the National League West. And I understand that doesn't mean a whole lot because the Dodgers are going to win that thing by 15 or 20 games, but that they're in the mix in the wild card right now. I think the Padres think that they could potentially make a run, but they're they're playing for 2020 and 21 and beyond. You know, they want to get a full season with Fernando Tatis Jr. They have Manny Machado, who's been one of the best hitters in baseball since June. Uh, and there are a lot of other pieces and parts in play there that uh, give the uh, give the Padres a lot of reason to be thankful and and to look forward to the future. Five games back, the Padres are in that wild card race, as you had mentioned. Arias was a three fourteen, three ninety eight, six oh three hitter with eighteen homers uh, in between his stints in the minors with AAA El Paso. I'd agree that I think there is some appeal to him. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, AJ, uh, he had a left oblique injury, left his start on Sunday. This was the number 28 starting pitcher for fantasy so far this season. So a tremendous breakthrough season had been one of the most reliable pitchers for the, the Milwaukee Brewers. In Woodruff's case, I think because he is a little bit of a younger pitcher, do you keep him around in an ESPN league? And do you think this has any sort of impact on his long-term prospects? Yeah, well, if you're just talking for for this year, I don't know that you keep him around. I just don't think you can afford to wait on pitchers at this point, even if they're only going to miss like one start. I, I really think we're in the nitty gritty now, especially if you have a, you're in a league where you're not playing the full season. You're you know you're playing till the end of August, and then you have some sort of playoffs. We're talking six weeks, and in six weeks, if you're missing one or two weeks, that's that's a huge chunk of what's left. I don't know that you can wait around for him in terms of you know going forward. Uh, Dynasty-wise, I mean, uh, you know, the wins are nice. Uh, you know, anytime you got a guy with double-digit wins and an all-star, 
fantastic. But I don't know that the whip's going to be there going forward. I'm not. I'm, I'm not like all in on him by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not all in either. I like him for the strikeouts, and I have for a while. He was, I think it was 2016, he led the minor leagues in strikeouts. So the arm's always been there, but they were going to manage the innings, uh, yet the obliques bother me a little bit. So it's it's frustrating. I, I hate to see injuries. I hate to have the bad news here, especially on Positive Monday. Uh, well, here's a positive note. Max Scherzer, and I'll ask each of you this, AJ and Jeff. Uh, Max Scherzer, he had a cortisone shot for his shoulder. That did prevent him from making the Sunday start that people were hoping for, that he'd sneak in that, that outing on the 10th day coming out of the All-Star break. Didn't happen. But there is hope now that he's going to pitch on Thursday against the Colorado Rockies. Now, I always worry a little bit with the shoulder injuries for pitchers as to whether this has some sort of long-term impact. But Scherzer, how do you feel about him? Would you start him this week? And do you think there are any more blips left on his schedule? I'll start with you, AJ. Yeah, I mean, Scherzer is the number one starting pitcher, period, full stop. So when he's on the mound, I'm putting him back on the mound. If, if the Nationals are confident that he's that he's ready to go, and I actually, I'm actually more optimistic that they are taking their time with him and didn't rush him back. Uh, you know, so I think they will put him on the mound when they feel that he is ready to be back on the mound. And especially with, you know the team like the Nationals who've had this Strasburg uh, injury history and like you know so kid gloves with 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 Strasburg. I think that when Scherzer's on the mound, Scherzer's fine. You start him. And Jeff, he, how do you feel? Do you it, feel he's the number one pitcher? That's kind of where AJ and I are leaning. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt at this point. With Chris Sale regressing a little bit this year, Max Scherzer is the dude. And the the best part of his year, the strikeouts are always going to be there. The the control and the command are always going to be there. Uh, he has had such a depressed home run rate this year, though. It's been among the best in baseball. And if you look at his FIP right now, it's hovering right around two, which is the lowest of his career. Uh, I like everything about Max Scherzer, specifically that he evolves as a pitcher every year. It's almost like trout, Troutian, if that's a word. The way that he identifies weaknesses, uh, attacks them, and makes himself better. And... The fact that this guy's a Hall of Famer already and he's still improving in his mid-30s is just a testament to who he is as a pitcher and a person. If we can have karaoke on the show, we can, of course, create words. And to your point, Jeff, yes, the 0.63 homer to 9 rate, which I hadn't realized it was as low as it is, is his career best. And we had said before in the show, past couple of years, if we had any sort of criticism, it was the occasional home runs. He's looking very good in that category, so a definite positive. Well, since we talked about one ace, let's talk about two others. I called this this past, I'd say, four days since our last show. Uh, the theme was pitchers who were on the trade market getting their auditions and doing well, acing them. Two of them in particular stood out. Madison Bumgarner on Thursday with nine innings of one-run baseball against the Mets. The game eventually was decided in 16 innings, but a great outing for Bumgarner gave them length. Marcus Stroman as well threw seven shutout innings on six hits at the Tigers. Now, yeah, you can say matchup if you like, but there were scouts in attendance, and I'm sure he looked very good to them. They saw probably things that they like. So, Jeff, I'd like to start with you on this. Uh, in terms of Bumgarner and, and Stroman, what is the latest in terms of trade rumors surrounding these two? Do you feel these two are the, the premium names the most likely to be moved? I think they're probably the likeliest to be moved with Stroman inching ahead of Bumgarner, which, you know, two weeks ago would have been a laughable thought because the Giants kind of stunk then. Now the Giants have won something like 75 out of 77 games and and have inched their way back into the wild card race. And trading Madison Bumgarner is not a fait accompli at this point. Uh, and, and neither in that regard is trading Marcus Stroman because he's still got a year of control left. 
And if the Blue Jays don't feel the offers are optimal at this point, they can deal him in the offseason. They can wait until the trade deadline next year to deal him. But I think because of the lack of clear guys who are going to be moved, we, you know, we think Mike Miner is going to be moved, but Trevor Bauer, no, Cindergaard, uh, there's, there's a bigger question with those guys because of the paucity of players out on the market right now. Uh, it would make sense and I think behoove the Blue Jays to cash in on Stroman when he's clearly pitching well, his ERA is really good, and if you look at his peripherals, they're very similar to what they were last year, actually, when he had an ERA two and a half points higher than it is right now. Stroman on pace for the best ERA and quality starts of his career. If he sticks to that pace, it's not like he's doing it by leaps and bounds, but he's having a very productive season. So, AJ, I'd like to ask your reactions to Stroman and Bumgarner. Should we, is there anything we should do here in preparation for the possibility either gets traded? Do you think that's good for their fantasy value? Bad? Do you think it's no big deal, not much changes? Oh, well, I, I think I think it's fantastic. Here's here's the thing. Uh, for my SWAG Points League advice column today, I took a look at the uh, unluckiest and luckiest pitchers in terms of what their win-loss total is compared to what their Pythagorean win totals is. And that's a mathematical thing where you take the ERA and the run support and you project what their record should be just based on those two numbers. The two unluckiest pitchers so far in 2019 – Marcus Stroman is number one. Madison Bumgarner is number two. Both of them uh, are just just by sheer uh, the, the fate of what teams they're playing for and who their opponents are in their matchups should both be winning about two-thirds of their games. And neither one is there, and I think a new location for both of them, and you're going to see those wins come. We know that wins is not a fantasy set that you can count on, but uh, they're pitching well enough that they should both be far greater in, in their win-loss percentage than they are. And I think Stroman definitely would benefit if he went to almost any other team. I mean, I keep hearing those New York Yankees rumors. If he went there, he'd be getting a lot of run support. So the ballpark, <laughs> you know, Toronto's not exactly the best place for a pitcher to pitch either. So a little challenge for, challenging for those two. Uh, Jeff, I'd love to get your perspective on the one particular name that you mentioned, which was Mike Miner, who's been a, a point of debate on the show now for, Kyle, what's it been, about 20 days? been a couple of weeks here uh we're just we're undecided on if mike Miner's really all that good or not and by we i mean I, I don't me. know the, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah 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 look classify the we here yeah no I'm, I'm just not sure that he's all that good and if i'm a playoff team i'm not overextending for him but that's just me personally we're kind of wondering what you think is you know our mlb insider not just you know some random researcher that plays funny music over here uh two things on mike Miner. number one he is signed to an extremely reasonable deal which means next year I think he's going to make $9.5 million. Uh, yeah, a little bit over uh, $9.5 million next year. That is, in this market, incredibly good. And so if you're trading for him, you're not just doing it for the postseason this year. You're getting a guy next year uh, who for two straight seasons now has been pretty solid. Uh, on the other hand, the home runs are a concern. And you saw him give up four, including three in a row, uh, against the Astros uh, in his last start. Now, granted, the three that he gave up were to Jose Altuve, Alex Burr. The three in a row were to Altuve, Bregman, and Jordan Alvarez. Uh, that's a pretty good middle of the lineup that the Astros have. So I suppose there's no shame in that. If I'm a team right now, I see Mike Miner as the best pitcher who is definitely out there and very likely to be traded. 
Interesting. Okay. So now, Jeff, I'll ask you, since you said about your fantasy team here, if you have to hitch your fantasy team to a pitcher like this, are you going to go all in on, and, and I'll open this up to two Texas Rangers, I'll bring in his teammate Lance Lynn, whose strikeout rate has gone up quite a bit this season. Would you invest in these guys, trusting that they're going to carry you down the stretch? you think they can remain elite? I have more trust in Lance Lynn than I do in Mike Miner, which is a sentence that I never thought I would utter because, honestly, I never thought I would be talking about Mike Miner or Lance Lynn in the realm of elite pitchers. But, I, it, you know, I picked up Lance Lynn earlier this year, and it was one of those things where, as a fantasy player, look at the FIP. Always look at the FIP. Always look at the strikeouts, the walks, and the home runs, and it will guide you in the right direction. Lance Lynn's ERA, when I picked him up, was low to mid fours. I, I, Kyle, what is it right now? Because uh, I know it's gotten pretty good, and he's a guy who's going to get you. Listen, I know it's baseball in 2019, so everybody's going to get you strikeouts, but you know, punched out a dozen in his last start over the weekend. He's been doing that regularly this year. Yeah, he's at 393 this year. I mean, a couple iffy outings, nine earned runs over his last two starts, but yeah, still under four. And I don't think you're crazy for liking him over minor. AJ, who are you on? Uh, uh, either of these? Neither of these? Both of them? Um, I mean, they're they're very similar. Like Jeff said, they're very similar pitchers. I think you know, in terms of what I like to look at, I look at KBB rate is certainly right up there. Um, it's, I mean, three point five is like my minimum, and Lance Lynn is above. Minor is below, but because Minor's been working deeper into games than Lynn, and I expect him to do better. Uh, going forward in a points league, I have to lean more towards minor. Just he, even the four home runs he gave up, they were all four, four solo shots. I mean, obviously, they're going to be solo shots when they're back to back to back. But nevertheless, uh, the base runners are not hurting you as much with minor, and he's working deeper. And for points leagues, that gives him the edge, even though in other formats, I probably would lean Lynn. I'm a Mike Miner guy, but Jeff, you've got me thinking. I'm going to have to go back to the the drawing board here with my trade talks. Jeff, I want to ask you two questions as just kind of a broad thing here. I want to see who, since we mentioned the Padres, you feel would be a very unexpected buyer, somebody that you don't think is really going to be in at the trade deadline that is going to make some some big shakeups. Oh, boy, an unexpected buyer. I, I feel like almost everybody out there is sort of kind of buying right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, would the Oakland A's count? They would count. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're here's the thing. They they have the second wild card right now. Um, and and that's shocking to hear. And the Cleveland Indians have the first one, and and the Tampa Bay Rays are out of it. I think the Rays are are an absolute buyer. I'm not in on the idea anymore that like the Reds are buyers or that the Pirates are buyers. But you can look at more or less any team in the National League. I mean, the Giants could very well buy. I don't think they're going to spend a lot, but you could certainly see them in on a on a Nick Castellanos, for example, uh, or or in trying to upgrade their bullpen if, say, they go and flip Will Smith, a guy who has an enormous amount of trade value. Maybe they get a really good prospect or two for Smith and then backfill with a, a lower-level guy who they feel can put up similar, if not equal, production to Smith over the last two months of the season. So I'm glad you brought up Will Smith. That actually bridges kind of nicely here that I think we should talk a little bit about Professional those Professional radio transition. Board. Yes, indeed. I love it. You know how this works. Let's play that lovely music. The, the Closer, Closer Carousel. Ah, oh, we could have fun on a Monday. Take I a nice little closers. ride. Yeah, I so do I. I you know, and I, so I hate closers because I'm in a league. I have 
Uh, I'm in three leagues. I'm in two score sheet leagues and two like deep dynasty score sheet leagues. One of which we have like a salary cap and we draft like 16 year olds and like it's creepy. One of those kinds of leagues. And then I'm in a league with my friends from high school and every year at the freaking auction, closers go for an exorbitant amount of money and it pisses me off to no end. Hate closers. Yeah. All greed. AJ, you're, you're just as a broad thing. That's, I, Jeff, that's exactly what I wanted to, wanted to ask you off the top is I feel like there's no better way to throw away your fab, your free agent dollars than on closers. And it's going to happen these next 10 days. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, unless you were going in on Kimbrel because that, that's a, a strange situation where, you know, you got a guy who's that quality and that proven who's signing with the team late. I understand doing it there, but you know, Two bad outings, and uh, a manager says, "You know what? I, I I don't want this guy." So you you cannot you cannot put any any faith in him whatsoever. So a lot of things moving and shaking with the closers. And Jeff, I'm glad to get your perspective on this. With the trades coming up, uh, we've heard the names Kirby Yates. We've heard Ken Giles' name thrown out there. Shane Green is a name we've talked about all season. Would he get traded? And then conversely, some of the teams that need closers. I know the Red Sox are one where their bullpen is very much up in the air. They even sent down Ryan Brazier the other day. Uh, how do you see this uh, closer market shaking out? Is there anything that fantasy owners should do right now to prepare for potential trades? Maybe pick up a guy behind Will Smith or uh, be concerned that a player like Smith or somebody else drops into a setup role. That's usually the big thing for fantasy. Right, and that's the problem. Will Smith could potentially go to the Dodgers, for example, and be a setup guy there. Uh, and then you would think, hey, Tony Watson or Sam Dyson is the perfect guy to pick up. No, those guys might get traded too. And then at that point, is it Reyes Maranta? I mean, you just don't know what it's going to look like in San Francisco. Toronto is the same thing. Ken Giles has been really good this year. Uh, Daniel Hudson is a natural person to take over. Uh, oh, by the way, Daniel Hudson's a free agent after this year, too, and Toronto's looking to trade him. So uh, at that point, uh, you know, does it go to Sam Gaviglio? Like, who's who's the guy then? It, it's It's a really difficult thing to read as a fantasy player. And if you have any money left, I think you just carpet bomb in hopes that you land on the right guy because these teams could go bullpen by committee too and as every fantasy football player knows uh the the two worst words in fantasy are by committee yeah and there's so many of them this year i feel like it's on the rise uh i will ask each of you jeff aj your thoughts on the closer for the red sox on august 1st closer for the red sox on august 1st is not with the team right now Okay, so give me a name. That's not a name, AJ. Yeah. <laughs> I like where he's going, but give me a name. No, I'm not going to give you a name because they're going to they're going to get their best deal, and I, I I think we still don't know. I think it all depends. Like I said, I've always said that Will Smith going somewhere is going to set the market. I don't think that the Red Sox will be in on that, but I think him going will set the market price. And uh, some teams are going to ask for way too much, and some teams are going to say, "All right, just give us that that amount." And I think the Red Sox are just going to pick the deal as best. So I don't know. I don't know what that deal is going to be. Uh, they're going to they're going to go for someone. It's just a question of whether the deal can be done. And that's why I can't name a name. I think that they don't care. They just want somebody in there. The closer for the Red Sox on August first will be Nate Uvalde. There's a man that knows how to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> can I throw Darwinson Hernandez? There'll be a, just a matchup in that day, and it'll be the only day Hernandez gets a save the whole year. Uh, technicality. I like it. I like it. 
Oh, all right. Well, Jeff, I, I, I hopefully you have a, a little time for just one other question here. We do a little segment that we call the Hash Browns on the show, and it just wouldn't be right if we didn't have our guest have something to eat. I mean, come on, we got to feed you. I got plenty. Of, I got ten minutes. All right, so we're then good. We can. Why don't we sneak in a couple of these hash browns? You know, give you a little. Do we? Do we buy the like? What kind of hash browns are we talking here? Because I feel like the type of hash brown is really important. I it, mean, it are is. we talking like McDonald's hash browns? Are we talking like? Waffle House hash browns? Are we talking like the like square potato fried hash browns? I You're mean, a hash brown or home fry guy? Like, do we need to start there, there with the hierarchy of breakfast potatoes? Yeah, the shredded ones, and I always go to the Matt's Big Breakfast ones. Double smothered covered at Waffle House is Ooh. pretty difficult to beat. Ooh, I gotta have that now. And my answer is Nate Eovaldi. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Well done. Well done, sir. All right. Well, the hash browns here. Uh, Jeff, we'll get to this first. And AJ, of course, I'd also like to get your uh, take on these as well. Sean brings us our first one. So I'm stealing from you, Kyle. Sorry. Uh, settle a debate for me and my friends. Is there any link between contract year and statistical performance? I would like to say that there is a demonstrable link between the two. I just haven't seen it. And and stats back me up on this one. There have been studies on this. There is no contract year effect. Some guys get better in their contract years. Some guys don't. And that sounds a lot like life. Things happen. Things don't. I think that's a fair way of putting it. AJ, I, I would I would say for the most part, Jeff is correct. However, there are individuals who, uh, if you see that in their contract year. They suddenly put up a 15 home run spike and, uh, you know, a 30 point batting average spike. Once they get that contract, I think those particular individuals probably regressed even more beyond where they started from the following year. Uh, I'm looking at you, Mr. Machado. I do worry a little about that. Yes, the regression the year after, I think, is a little bit of a bigger deal. But yeah, it's not a cut and dry thing. I agree with both of you on that. But I think it's the same person who will do both. I don't think it's, it's scattershot. I think in general, you don't know for any individual, but once you see the individual has like excelled, I think the regression is going to be a little bit more. So I love this question from Zach. All right, Jeff, who is the most underrated player in baseball? It's a very broad question. I know I'll give you a second to think about that. Oh, my Lord. See, this question was crossed out on the sheet here, so I didn't think about it um the most underrated player in baseball like okay i'm buying myself time by asking this yep but radio professional is this somebody who is not considered very good and is really good or is this uh a guy who's really good and we just don't appreciate how good he is i I think it could be either one mine is that one the latter okay then it's mike trout Ooh, all right make the make the case here Mike Trout is the most underrated player in baseball because right now we are watching, and, and I'm I'm going out on a little bit of a limb here, I think we're watching the best player ever to play the game. And, and when you're in the middle of a moment watching something that's really historic, it's difficult to grasp what's going on. Like, I remember, you know, covering the 2016 World Series, and when Rajay Davis hit that home run... It was like, oh, my God, that's one of the, the craziest home runs that has ever been hit in baseball history. And I, you know, I said, like, it's the only time in the press box where I, like, audibly cursed. Like, holy, you know, one of those. And I felt like I was grasping 
the the gravity of that moment at that time. Um, I don't know if myself included were doing that with Mike Trout year in year out. He is the best player. We're coming up on a decade now of Mike Trout being the best player in baseball, and and you just don't see uh, runs extended as good as he is, and he keeps getting better. So I think the fact that uh, we're not talking about him every day, that this is the best person who's ever played the game, it, it, it underrates him. Um, in terms of guys who are really, really good and we don't recognize how good they are, I think Anthony Rendon, uh, just because of his personality. You know, he's a super, like, laid-back, non-self-promoting guy. He's incredible defensively. He's an incredible hitter. He doesn't strike out. He does walk. Uh, he's everything you want in a baseball player. AJ, your pick. Um, you know, I think Freddie Freeman. I think I think he's very overlooked. Good choice. In terms of just you know, he's not flashy. He's got a kind of a dull name. You know, I always used to say uh, about the basketball player Steve Smith that if his name was Lorenzo Baseline, he'd be on every magazine cover and everybody would love him. But it, he, he's boring. His name's boring. He's not flashy. You know, Mike Mike Trout. It's got it's got a fish. It's got active. You know, it's got a thing. You know, you got Mookie Betts. You know, Christian Yelich. The, the, the names were all the song. Freddie Freeman's a dull name, and I think a lot of people that factors into a way a lot of people just file them away. Yeah, it's just Freddie. Hold on, Mike Trout is an exciting name <laughs> because he's <laughs> a you, fish. Have you, we air trout fishing on ESPN. Yes, trout is a sport in and of itself. It's an exciting name when the trout is jumping. The trout are jumping. I'll make a poll for that one. I'm thinking, AJ, you end up on the wrong side of that poll. <laughs> <laughs> a fishing pole. You see, it all comes back. There you go. <laughs> oh, I'm, I love saying, I'm saying, it, it, you know, people who have exciting names just get that that, that uh, a little bump. You know, Acuna Junior. You know, it's, it's, it's. I think Freddie Freeman's just a dull name, and this I think is a that terrible he, he argument. You, you had me when you said Freddie Freeman, <laughs> and you completely lost me with the name argument. Completely should, lost. Should I? Should I think? About Freddie Freeman. You, yeah, yes! yes. <laughs> Make up a song about Freddie Freeman. He is a free man. Ready, Freddie? Atlanta's Freddie Freeman. His name is Atlanta's Freddie Freeman. And there's a million games he hasn't won. Just you wait. Just you wait. Oh, my God. You can understand. Okay. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> that was certainly something. Oh, oh, boy. All right, mine is simply... Juan Soto. I think he's going to be one of the ten best players in fantasy next year. Uh, there's a reason I ranked him where I did him. That, that is a Dynasty. that is a completely different argument than Juan Soto being a great baseball player. He needs to get better in the outfield because he is yes. bad out there. But hitters, you're dead right, absolutely, without a doubt. I agree with you that I'm a little concerned about that defense. And from a fantasy perspective, I wonder whether that kind of casts a little a little bit of a shadow. You look at the WAR numbers; I think it casts a little bit of a shadow. Where does Soto rank in the name rankings, AJ? Is he exciting enough for you? <laughs> well, he's 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 second to none and and second to one. I don't know. Oh boy, oh boy, wordplay to get us out of here. Juan Soto. We need a song for him. Uh, we got time for one more. 
Sure. All right. Got to make got it quick. He's got Sports Center in a minute here. All right. Hopefully, Andrews is pretty simple. It is about Wander Franco. Jeff, you highlighted him as somebody poised to rise up the prospect ranks. Who were some of the other guys of this ilk that uh, I can be the first to buy in for my dynasty league? See, I, I'm going to offer a couple here for like a, a shallow dynasty league and a deep dynasty league. Shallow dynasty league, Gavin Lux. Uh, with the Dodgers has uh, really broken out this year. He's probably a second baseman when he comes up, but if Justin Turner moves over to first, Corey Seager goes over to third, that gives Lux a spot at shortstop potentially. Uh, deep, deep leagues here. Uh, I'm going to give you a name of a 17-year-old, Marco Luciano with the Giants. He's playing in the Arizona League right now and absolutely tearing it up. He's got power. He's got speed. He is a dude. And I don't know if he's Wander Franco-level dude, but he's the kind of guy who you want to keep. Uh, one more name, Jason Dominguez. I wrote about him for ESPN.com probably a month ago now. Uh, no, I guess it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, he signed on July 2nd. He is only 16 years old. He has not played a single professional game. Uh, he was getting Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle comps from scouts. Now, that's a lot, but he is a switch-hitting, power-hitting uh, great fielding, rocket armed center fielder. Uh, he has a chance to skyrocket up the list next year. And he's going to be one of the only guys, one of the rare guys who, before he's played a single game, is going to appear on top 100 prospect lists. Yeah, I'm going to be racing in my dynasty league right now and adding him because I know he's out there. <laughs> I love it. Great information, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I hear you're very busy over the next week, uh, of course, understandably, because we do have the trade deadline coming up. But uh, what are you up to over this next uh, 10 days or so? Well, I will be on Wednesday night baseball on the sidelines with uh, Boog Shambi and David Ross from Minnesota when the Twins play the Yankees. And then I'm headed back to Bristol and uh, we'll probably be on your television quite a bit. So, uh Hopefully it's a nice active deadline. I'm not banking on it, but I'm hoping for it. Great. We're looking forward to that and happy to have you back anytime you like. We'll talk a little bit more baseball. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. It was my pleasure, boys. Thanks for having me. So speaking of travel with baseball, baseball season is well underway, and there's no better place to get your tickets than on SeatGeek. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Speaking of being there in person, SeatGeek asked baseball fans from all 30 teams all across the country which stadiums have the best experience. From the food to the traffic, they ranked it all. Want to know where your team ranks? Check them out at www.seatgeek.com slash stadium guides and find out what fans said about, in this case, Minnesota's Target Field. I've been there. Good ballpark. That's www.seatgeek.com slash stadium dash guides. But whether your team ranked high or low, make sure to get out to a game this season with SeatGeek. And to help you get even more savings on tickets, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter pro uh, promo code FFB today. That's promo code FFB for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. 
All right, so AJ, let's get into the schedule now. Uh, it's a busy week. The game started 7 o'clock tonight, so you have a little more time to set your weekly lineups. But we do have a lot of games ahead and some change going on. But let's get to Mondays. Um, we'll start here first on some streaming options, if any, stand out on, on Monday. Daniel Ponce de Leon, we'll throw his name out at Pittsburgh. Peter Lambert's pitching in Washington. Not so effective too much lately, but a little bit better on the road than at home. Uh, any thoughts here on guys who stand out on Monday's schedule? Uh, you know, no one really stands out to me outside of Robbie Ray from Arizona. I think three and zero in July is doing very well and getting a chance to face the Baltimore lineup uh, when when the pitcher's going to have to hit. I, I really do like Robbie Ray tonight. I, I kind of do too, and you know he'll probably make the start because I don't know if they're going to get that trade done before this game uh, gets underway. So we'll we'll see how that goes. The ESPN games for Monday are Boston at Tampa Bay. That will be Eduardo Rodriguez at Jalen Beeks at seven o'clock. That'll be the the game that starts off the week. And ESPN Plus is going to have Oakland at Houston. That is Homer Bailey, one of the newer o- Oakland Athletics, against Garrett Cole. Any chance you'd use Homer Bailey here, AJ? No, no chance at all. <laughs> He's pitched a little bit better. Now, I mean, do you think there's anything to Homer Bailey in Oakland? Do you, do you, can you extract any value? Um, I, no, I, re- I really can't. I, I cannot extract any value there. I, I, it, it, it was a smart trade for them. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an upgrade, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a reliable arm. You want innings at this point, but I, I just... I'm not putting him in any game unless he's facing someone like the Tigers or the Orioles where it's a matchup-based thing. I'm feeling after what happened with Andrew Kashner where I said you might be able to extract a little value, did not pitch all that well in his first two Red Sox starts. I, I kind of, I'm with you, AJ. I go back to the instinct. I'm terrified of Andrew Kashner and Homer Paley. <laughs> I might get value there, but I don't feel so good about it on any given day, and I certainly don't in Houston. I'm going nowhere near that. But we'll, we'll talk down the road. Maybe there's a Homer Bailey game against... Miami in Miami. I don't think they're going to play there. But I still might go with whoever's pitching for Miami. That's it. <laughs> Ooh, ouch. That's yeah. I I could see it. I could see it. Tuesday, uh, all night games again as well, beginning at seven oh five. The ESPN Plus game is at seven ten, and that is the San Diego Padres at the New York Mets. Assuming the weather cooperates here, there is a little bit of a chance of rain in the Northeast that'll bring down some of the temperatures, the, those hot hot temperatures from the past week in the Northeast. So just keep an eye on that. But if this game goes off uh, as planned, it will be Chris Paddock currently scheduled there. They do shuffle him a lot against Jason Vargas. Uh, two players who I did look at for matchups bases. Uh, AJ, I, I'm obviously going to use Paddock. Jason Vargas was one I was thinking about as a two-star pitcher. Would you use him? I wouldn't. I, he just doesn't strike out enough hitters even when he's on, and he walks too many. I, he gets very lucky uh, in terms of he gets a lot of run support uh, when uh, Alonzo McNeil are, are getting all the offense there. And he, if he gets a lead, he's pretty good. If he doesn't have the lead, uh, it, I don't really see a lot of flash there. I, you've talked me out of him. <laughs> I, 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 I just can't bring myself to Adam. I, 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 he is, uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys. I, I don't know why he still has a, a job. Really, as, as a starter, I think he's better suited to being one of those long relief guys, and I, I just can't trust him as a starter. So since you mentioned Robbie Ray, Merrill Kelly will get the Tuesday game at home against Baltimore, so Kelly could be a potential streaming option. Unless AJ, you, you disagree with that one? He's definitely a potential streaming option. He's he's not someone I would normally start, but uh, based on the matchup, uh, you know, uh, certainly he's got got a a good position in that rotation where, you know, after Ray, he's even better, I think. Uh, Three quick yes-no names. John Gray at Washington. Nope. 
I, I want to. I'm with you on nope. Yanni Chirino said home in Tampa, the pitcher's park against Boston, however. Uh, no, I, I don't really. I, I just don't think that the Rays pitchers go deep enough into games, generally speaking. I mean, you know, with the exception of Yarbrough, who will sometimes just leave out there and only pitch them once a week. Uh, it's it's an innings thing for me, but I'm I'm, I'm looking at points league and, and length of start matters. Chirinos has impressed me in that he has gone a little longer than I was expecting he was going to. So I, I'm scared of the Chris Sale matchup. If wins matter to you and that's a heavy weight in this, I get it. I I want to say yes here. My mind is just saying I got to I got to make the case for yes for Yanni Chirinos. But I see your point absolutely about uh, him. Jesse Chavez, another guy I was considering as a two start pitcher. He was awful his last outing, but this is a favorable matchup at Seattle. Yeah, it is a very favorable match for Seattle. Seattle is one of those teams that I, I do uh, consider going against here. Um, you know, like I said, Ch- Chirinos pitches very well, and it, it, to me it's the length of, of time. But, you know, in terms of uh, your patient Seattle team, I, I think Chavez can do very well. It's also on the road. I don't really like taking Rangers starters at home in the summertime. Uh, but on the road, I'm certainly much more likely to uh, put him in there. And that's one of the reasons I was looking at him. I'm I'm very torn. I I feel like I'm, I'll go in that direction before I'll go with Vargas, but uh, it's a tough one. You, you, you know, if you, it, it's got to be the deeper leagues. Wednesday's games begin at 12:10 with that Red Sox uh, Tampa Bay game. That's the uh, closing game of the series. On ESPN Plus, the the game begins at 7:05 between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's Adam Wainwright against Jordan Lyles. ESPN will then have on the TV the New York Yankees at the Minnesota Twins. I hear somebody who just joined us might be at this game. It is Jay Happ against Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi's been a very effective pitcher this season, but AJ, would you start him against the New York Yankees? I would not start him against the New York Yankees uh, if I uh, didn't have to. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that Yankees lineup, it just it scares me. It really scares me. And it's not like Odorizzi is one of these guys who you can count on not to serve up the home runs. Yes, the home run per nine is not extremely high, but uh, he's going to give up at least two in that game. And I'm, I'm not looking to put him in there unless I have to. I agree. As a matter of fact, I probably am. I probably am more scared than you are. Six straight non-quality starts. Six straight. He hasn't completed six innings since June fifteenth. So Odorizzi's having a little bit of regression. Now he's not a disastrous pitcher. I'm not saying go caught him, get rid of him. I'm I'm worried. No, about no, matchups. he's still he's still a number three pitcher in, in fantasy. It's just like he's he's going through a very rough stretch here, and this is not the matchup where you're going to expect him to suddenly get get well. I'd like to get, AJ, your perspective on Reynaldo Lopez. There's a little bit of buzz in the fantasy industry about his effective past two starts. And I had a discussion with this. I had a discussion with my brother this weekend about this. He likes to register his opinion with me on, on baseball players. And Lopez frustrates me. Very inconsistent. And it seems like he teases us with these two to three start stretches, hot stretches. And then he just tanks right afterwards. Not useful for fantasy. Would you use him here? Do you buy? Is there something you've seen that makes you think you should use him? And granted, it is, I have to admit, a home game against the Miami Marlins. No, I I mean, with him, I just think he still gives up way too many fly balls compared to his ground balls. Um, as, I mean, it's not a stat I necessarily turn to, but given, uh, as, as Eric might say, it's all about the baseball. Um, you know, the, the, the start against Oakland that he did fairly well in, uh, that was the one game where he didn't give up so many fly balls. Um, but, you know, it, it, the trends say that that was the outlier, and I'm just a little concerned. Kyle, you even noted on here the, the ERA he's had in his eight starts before that two-start hot streak. Throw that number. 
Yeah, that's a seven nine three. It's higher than his K per nine. Yeah, that that's not so good from what I'm told. So AJ, if you're not starting Ronaldo Lopez here, are you saying he doesn't need to be rostered in any format in any sort of way? No, he he doesn't. I mean, I have him as my. Uh, I just redid my rankings this morning, and he's barely in my top 100 starting pitchers. So, I mean, that's certainly uh, not a position where you say you have to have him on your roster. I, and an AL only, I think he does. I mean, anybody who's in a rotation. If you look at what the labor AL free agent list looks like right now, you'd roster him just because there just aren't enough bodies there. Well, sure, yeah. You, you, you trim the starting pool by, by half, absolutely. Then, then he's in the top 50, let's say, and uh, in, in an AL only, you need <laughs> you need that many. So, yeah. yeah. How about Mike Leake, who threw a near-perfect game? Incredibly. Nine shutout innings, one hit in his last out. By the way, here's the great part about this. Eric asks me about this all the time, about pitchers facing the same opponent the second time. Who gets the advantage? And I've said, my numbers say that it's the pitchers. And what Mike Leake did here against the Los Angeles Angels is going to significantly wait the next time I do that analysis. He faces the Angels on the road on the 12th, goes two-thirds of an inning, gives up eight hits, seven runs, four of them are earned. And then he throws nine shutout innings, with one hit, nearly gets a perfect game against them at home on the 19th. I, I don't know what to expect. Would you use Mike Leake well, here? Here's here's what I would ask you, and I know you've got the spreadsheet uh, skills to do this. Is there a difference between the pitchers facing the same team uh, at home the second time versus on the road the second time? Because I think that might also be a factor in it. That's a, a very good point. I'm going to have to take a look at that. And I would not be surprised if there is. There usually, to me, was... I think it was 115 to 120. I mean, I always look at it in terms of the park factor calculations. So that would be a 15 to 20 percent differential. You get a 15 to 20 percent home field advantage as a pitcher. So and, and let's throw on and let's throw on top of that. I mean, it wasn't even just that Leak is facing for a second time because he practically didn't face him the first time. He didn't even get out of the first inning. So it's not like he went three times through and they're all used to him. We'll have our next show on Thursday, but the games that day start at 12, 10 p.m., so just be aware of it to get those lineups set in advance in case you don't hear the show beforehand. Uh, but after the break, we will get to your hash browns. Gotta love the double dip of hash browns. Who wouldn't? I mean, if you're hungry, you're listening to this well past breakfast time, so, I mean, you've got to have something in your system at this point. Yeah, this is like... The answer is Nate Eovaldi. Eovaldi's still the answer for hash browns. AJ staying on brand. Eovaldi to you, AJ. Come on, don't break the spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) You guys were talking about facing the same team twice. Does it impact you at all that Mike Leake is facing somebody with the same first name and he's not that good of a pitcher? That he's facing a... (laughs) Mike Leak versus Mike Miner. That would be against Mike Miner on Wednesday. Let's go Mike Leak. Let's get back-to-back near perfectos. Let's oh, see what it. bet are we putting on this Oh, time? no, I'm not backing Mike Leak. He fits the same mold as Mike Miner for me. I, I don't think it's crazy that Leak could beat him, but I'm uh, I'm not making a bet All right, there. It's, it's simple. We'll, we'll, make it, we'll make it very small. Well, well, the, the loser gets the hash browns for the other the next time. Deal. When, when I see you next. Deal. Yeah, I've, I've got Mike Miner there. Yeah, no, I... In theory, I would too, but just to stick with this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back Mike Leak. I, I, by the way, I, I, I also will take Mike Miner there, and I'll add an extra helping of Mike Miner. AJ, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take Mike Clevenger. I'll go off the board. Wow, off the board, but the best pitcher of the Mike, so that's not that bad. <laughs> I was hoping you go with Nathan Evaldi, but no. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I'm saving the rule of three for later. Fine, can't wait. <laughs> 
All right, we've got a Twitter question here. Shane was watching Disco Fani tear up the Cardinals yesterday. He wants to know if the 29-year-old has found something or if this is just a hot streak he's in the middle of. I leaned a hot streak. I, I mean, this is the problem with Disco Fani. I think he's a talented pitcher. The command numbers, when I run all of his stats, ability, whatever, through the spreadsheet, say that he's good. But every time I watch him, I, I don't see a great pitcher. I see the kind of guy that you are going to have to always do the matchups homework on. And maybe that means he has a Lance Lynn portion of his career at some point down the road. And he bumps up the strikeouts. But otherwise, I'm, I'm carefully looking at the lineups he's facing. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think he's definitely a pitcher who is... <sighs> He's always going to be in the same neck of the woods in my rankings as a guy like Rick Porcello, for better or for worse. Oh, and uh, although there are certain streaks that I'm going to probably trust him a lot more than Porcello, like right now, um, I don't know if he's ever going to rise above that kind of level. What, what, wait, what was that? What did I hear in the background? What? There was some subtle booing there. I mean, we're talking Mike Miner. We're talking Rick Porcello. We, I, he, can we, we were, get passing back in here? Man, we are really, yeah. Uh, Raking, you are the cold today. Man, no kidding. Oh, yeah. Ricard with his Mike Trout is a good player analysis. That, we're going to have to revisit that one. But um, <laughs> I, I liked what he was saying. The Mike Trout is an exciting name might, uh, might be up for debate. I'll put that on Twitter, you know. I get where he's coming from on Mike Trout, though. I will tell you, I am I am the guy who's in on Mike Trout at my auctions, period. He is worth $10 more than anyone else at, on auction day. I've done the numbers many times. He comes out that way. I get it. I don't disagree. All right, Ricardo's got the same question for Jake Junis that Jane did for Descalfani. Just three earned runs over his last three starts with 23 strikeouts. You buying him or no? If I don't, my brother's going to get really mad at me because he's sitting there setting his lineup for that day. And he's like, hey, did you see what Jake Judas has been doing lately? And then the whole rest of the day when I said, I don't know, he's not that great a pitcher. What do you think happened? What happens when you, you, you doubt the player and he does well? Hey, 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 look, he threw an inning. He's great. Hey, look, <laughs> look, three shot out innings. Hey, huh, huh. Yeah, he's, he's improved, but it's the DiScafani thing again. Yeah, I, there's, there's, there's not a lot here. He's had a good stretch, and uh, that's about all I can say about it. I, I had him on my Scout Wars team early in the season, and, you know, he'll throw you a quality start here, quality start there, and then he won't reach the sixth inning for like a month. So it's, it's, he's just in a good stretch now. Okay, if you had to pick one of those two pitchers to add, then you'd just say you need depth in your rotation. Who you got? Between Junis and Cecil Fani, I'm taking Junis. Park. And I'm taking DiSclefani, but that's just a, an NLAL thing. Uh, when, the, when the pitches are that mediocre, I'll take the guy who's facing the pitchers. That's fair, but limited excitement on both. Joe plays in a shallow Roto League. And he wants to know if there's any reason to hold on to Michael Chavis over a guy like Danny Santana or Oscar Machado. Mer oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Him or Manny Machado. Sure. Yeah. Well, Manny, Manny Machado. Uh Chavis is maddeningly inconsistent. I admit it. I've got him on a couple of teams. The the position eligibility is what keeps him on my roster because I know I've got the safety net of just throwing him around to fill in for other guys. If Mercado's out there, he's interesting. That would be the direction I'd go. And I'm not I'm not wowed by it. I I, I can make you the case. I'm not wowed by it. I, that that's got to be a need for you know getting Mercado's categories. And, I, you know, from points league, I don't think there's very much difference between the two. Uh, I have them back-to-back -back in my rankings. Chavis is just one spot ahead of Mercado. Um, 
I, I do see what your point is in terms of you need the power. You go, you go with one. You go with Mercado for the speed. But uh, in terms of points, there's not a lot between them. Mm-hmm. You, wouldn't you rather have the, the power guy, regardless in the points leagues? I, I don't think I'd want to take my chance with Mercado in a points league. It, it, but it's power. It's when you factor in the home runs plus the doubles. Um, you have to put those together because a, a guy like Mercado who can get a walk and turn it into a walk plus steal, that's a double. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's likely to score. It, yeah, it, it, It's not as weighted as you would think. All right, last question here comes from Kevin, who notes that it looks like three of Tristan's top ten second base dynasty guys We'll be losing the eligibility heading into next year. Does that increase the value of the top of the position, guys like Altuve and Albies? I had not thought that far ahead. I'm going to have to dig up my sheet here. Props to Kevin. Yeah, no, I mean, I I knew that there were a couple guys at that position that were losing eligibility, but I'd have to look at who's at it. So let me call up that sheet. AJ, I'll I'll throw to you. You'll throw to me. Well, in terms of... uh future rankings and everything, I think you just have to reevaluate the start of the season. I don't think you can plan that far ahead, uh, you know, like today and start working your roster. I mean, Altuve, Baez, Albies, those are the top three. Uh, Merrifield closely behind. You know, after that, it's, it's pretty much roll the dice at that point. All right. Second base, losing the eligibility would be Moncada. He's worried about Baez and Senzel also on oh, that Senzel, list for him. Yes, yes, okay, okay. Uh, Baez, yeah, Baez, that's that's a fair point about him. I, I think Baez's ability to man multiple positions means that over the course of the future, he might regain that spot. So I wouldn't worry too much about what, what that does to him. In terms of the position itself, yeah, it's a little bit thin, especially in contrast to shortstop. When I look at this, I, I'm much more overwhelmed by the talent levels of the shortstops. So this could be the soft spot. However, I would also point out that I hated first base. Hated first base when I was doing the dynasty rankings. Yeah, I, and I, I hear you about that shortstop comparison because my number my number nine shortstop at the start of the season was Corey Seager uh, compared to uh, uh, Rugni Dordur as my number nine second baseman in terms of a, a dynasty uh, perspective. So shortstop is way deeper. You are correct. It's pretty crazy. I mean, even some of the second basemen have the eligibility there. Like, Labor Tour is the first name I keep going back to. I mean, I even had Tatis down at 13 because I didn't expect him to come up so soon. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty crazy. So, the second base, with losing players there, we're going to have to restock that. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you, may, you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Caravel. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So 
Happy National Vanilla Ice Cream Day to everybody. That's a great transition, right? I got to go oh, to the ice cream. Flawless. Yeah, no, vanilla over Perfect. chocolate ice cream in the power rankings, but I don't think you can top peanut butter ice cream for anything. Uh, peanut butter at the top here, chocolate, vanilla. But if you put stuff on the vanilla ice cream, some... Like peanut butter? Raspberries, <laughs> chocolate. You know what my favorite ice cream flavor is? Nathan Ivaldi. <laughs> there you go. Nailed it. You ruined it for Nailed him. it. No, I nailed it. I didn't ruin anything. Nathan Ivaldi and ice cream. Okay, yeah. Uh, I... We gotta just close on that. that yeah. I just I can't follow that up. No. Anyway, well, thanks of course to Jeff Passan, a great interview today, and you know, busy time with the trade deadline coming up. I'm pretty excited for baseball going forward. Thanks of course to AJ Mass. AJ, you'll be back here again on Thursday. Thank you of course for co-hosting with me today. Uh, that'll do it for now. Thanks of course, Kyle. We gotta give you a thank you. Ah, I appreciate that. I'm here for you guys anytime. You, you do all this stuff. You press all the buttons. You give us all these notes and everything, and then we give you a hard time over Mike Meyer. I yeah, wouldn't have it any other way. Let's go Mike Leak. <laughs> That's what friends are for, and I'm not singing. Sorry. All right. We will see you all right here again on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Everything is awesome. Darkness. Nathan Evaldi.